Today on The Entrepreneurs, we're meeting a founder who set out to offer a new perspective on performance apparel. How much of a challenge is it to blend principles of ethical manufacture, of sustainability, of community, with, of course, an unwavering commitment to quality? Well, the business owner we're sitting down with today is Joe Kudler, the founder and CEO of Viore. Joe and his colleagues in Viore seem to have made a pretty decent fist of achieving that ambitious combination. Viore makes premium clothing inspired by the active coastal California lifestyle, an integration of fitness, surf, sport, and no little art. Viore's mission, to break down the boundaries of traditional activewear. Clearly, that vision is translating into a successful reality, with a very significant recent investment from and valuation by the SoftBank Vision Fund, which funds innovators working to transform industries and shape new ones at the end of last year. Viore makes much of its investment in happiness concept, which I'm going to ask Joe about in a moment. It's not a product guarantee per se, or a commitment to a great experience for customers exactly. It seems to stand more for a philosophy on doing business and of living, well, living or trying to live an extraordinary life. My favorite quote is, it's amazing what you can accomplish when nobody cares who gets the credit. And I really do believe that Part of the reason we've been successful is we've brought together this awesome crew of people and everybody's really aligned by this vision and aligned by, you know, the work that we have in front of us. And they're not pushing and pulling in different directions. And it does create a happy culture. Viore's slogan, though, is the rise, the shine. I think I know what that represents, but I'm pretty sure that once I've had a chat to Joe, it will be absolutely clear. So let's do it. You're listening to The Entrepreneurs with me, Tom Edwards. Joe Kudler, welcome to The Entrepreneurs, and hello to you across the pond. It's great to have you with us on the programme. Let's start, Joe, with a bit of an introductory, if you like. What's the one-liner for what this business is? I know you talk about making activewear that doesn't look like activewear. What's your elevator pitch? I'm sure you're constantly asked to sort of do that. What do you say when people ask the question? Yeah, so Viore is a performance apparel brand that draws inspiration from the coastal California lifestyle. So it's an integration of all the things that we love to do, fitness, training, surfing, beach culture. And we say it's a new perspective on performance apparel because unlike a lot of activewear brands that really define the look and feel of activewear and kind of draw inspiration from team sports or urban street culture, you know, Viore was born on the beach. And so we bring in that more casual, coastal aesthetic into everything we do. And our driving ethos is built to move in, styled for life. So under the hood, so to speak, every raw material, our fabrics, our construction, our fit, everything is designed to move and to sweat and to support you through a tough workout. But we really try to be conscientious of the aesthetic so that it transitions effortlessly into your everyday life. And we were really proud to to really be a pioneer in bringing more versatility to men's activewear. Well, yeah, and I think one of the other real standout features is this commitment to, you know, sustainability, ethical manufacturing, to being a bit more circular in your approach. And it's funny because I guess in activewear, in a lot of fashion, Everyone talks a good game, actually, about this, but there's a lot of people that don't really follow it up with action. But I know that it's a really significant thing for you, Joe, and that's partly informed by, yeah, your lifestyle, the things that you you value. But tell me how challenging it is to mesh those principles into a successful business that is, after all, making products in the end. 
100%. And I always like to disclaim any comments around environmental and social governance and responsibility that, you know, we are not perfect and it's a long road. We're trying as hard as we can to not make it a bullet point in a marketing slick. You know, we're really trying to live it, but by no means are we perfect. The, you know, the clothing industry is a very dirty industry. Our whole feeling is that this brand was really inspired by our community, all the things that we love to do, largely outdoors in nature. And so we felt like it was only the, the responsible choice to do what we could to build the business responsibly. So we look at kind of every aspect of our business. We think about the wake we're leaving from an environmental and social standpoint. And then we work with third parties to help us to measure and benchmark and improve so we're, we're in early innings still, but we've been really proud of what we've been able to accomplish to date just through the materials that we use. 80% of the materials that we purchase in our collection this year will be made from recycled and or organic materials. We are very committed to reducing and trying to eliminate single-use plastics in our supply chain. So we've moved to kind of a roll, pack, and tie method, which has removed millions of single-use plastics from our packaging. And then we work with a, a group called CleanHub to calculate all, this, all the plastic that is generated. And then we go out into the environment, we clean up an equal amount. And then the last one is carbon. We're very meticulous about our carbon footprint and we invest in projects to offset it and operate the business carbon neutral. That's really just the very beginning. The beauty of this, and you alluded to it, there's a lot of greenwashing out there. We're very conscientious about that. And what's, what's really cool is that I really believe that there is going to be an ESG score that's coming. It'll be monitored by the Securities and Exchange Commission. The state of California where we live is implementing their own regulations, but no longer will it be something we just talk about. It'll be, look at my ESG score and it'll, everything will be measured. And so we're actually excited for that day because we believe that we'll bode well. We've been doing a lot of work in this space for a long time, so it's exciting. Yeah, hugely exciting. And I think anyone that listens to your words, reads more about your approach or indeed buys and, and enjoys the products will know it's, it is all about the doing. That's what you're, what you're judged on, which I think is a really important thing. Just on that point, you, may, you mentioned though there, Joe, about your collaborators and other people that you partner with. I know that you have this idea of investing in happiness and it's to do with the happiness, hopefully for your end users, but it seems like a happy company. Even the website is, is covered in sunshine. When you talk to, I don't know, potential partners or backers or whatever it might be, and you say, look, this is an investment in happiness. Do they initially say, this guy, Joe, is crazy or do they like it? And do they buy into that? We've spent a lot of time thinking about like, what is the end state, right? What is the vision that we want to inspire in the world, right? And for us, it was really simple. And that was to inspire happiness. Our tagline is the rise, the shine. It's all about rising up and overcoming obstacles and feeling inspired in that moment that you do. And you prove to yourself what you're capable of. I like to climb mountains personally. And anybody that climbs mountains for a living or, or has done it understands like the pain and suffering one gets through. But I can tell you there's nothing more inspiring than finishing that climb, getting to the top and looking at the view, getting back to your car. It's like inevitably I always shed a few tears and it's just I feel 50 pounds lighter. That spirit and that ethos is what we wanted to capture with this brand. I think it's important to us to do more than just make cool clothes. And we wanted to inspire our community to live great lives. And so maybe that could be perceived as soapboxy or cheesy, but for us, it's authentic. It's what we wanna create. And it all starts with being in great relationships with each other. And so within our four walls, my favorite quote 
is it's amazing what you can accomplish when nobody cares who gets the credit. And I really do believe that part of the reason we've been successful is we've brought together this awesome crew of people and everybody's really aligned by this vision and aligned by the work that we have in front of us. And they're not pushing and pulling in different directions. And it does create a happy culture. And when we create a happy culture, it inspires more innovation, more being in tune with the customer. And that leads to more great products. And it becomes a circular thing that feeds itself. And so, you know, we do spend a lot of time focusing first and foremost on our on our culture within our four walls. Yeah. And just with that sort of mountain climbing analogy front and center, have you had a particular moment? Have you had a, a sort of a personal North Face of the Eiger moment, Joe, with this business, was there a time when you, when it was overwhelming, when you wondered if you would be able to drag yourself up that last bit of the climb, but that you, that you did it? Was there a standout moment more than any other? Yeah, I mean, there's been a couple, but the one that I would point to was in our first couple years of business, our original premise for the company was maybe a little bit off. It wasn't materially off, but it was enough off that if we stayed on that trajectory, we probably would have went out of business. And, you know, that more specifically was we had this premise that there were 30 million people practicing yoga in the United States, 30% of them were men. So that was a very large, you know, segment of people that didn't have really a brand that was speaking to them authentically at scale. And we launched a business with a focus around men's yoga. And we believed that because it was more of a bootstrapped effort, we didn't have a lot of capital to go out and pursue a big digital kind of e-com strategy. We believed that we could get a foothold in yoga studios and gyms with men's product. And we learned a couple things through the, the limited e-com business that we had at the time, through post-purchase surveys, through talking to people that were buying our product. And that was that they loved the product but really what they loved about it was the versatility of the product that they felt like they could wear it anywhere, but they were chasing their kids around the house. They were jogging, they were training, they were doing all these things, traveling before they were actually wearing it to yoga. And so we had to check in with ourselves about what was really authentic for us as stewards of the brand. And we had to make some pivots. But at that time that we were contemplating that pivot, the business was really headed towards bankruptcy or, you know, desperately looking for more capital from investors. And we had to make a decision and that was a hundred percent pivot. So we shifted all of our marketing communication and we went all in on a D to C strategy with the dollars that we had left. Cause we knew we had to prove an engine of growth that could lead us to, you know, holding our heads up high when we went back to our investors to ask for more capital. And that's what happened. So we went all in and we spent a very large percentage of the money that we had left trying to build out a great experience on our site and attract people to it. And that was the best decision we ever made. Um, it was a very scary one, but ultimately it led us to a slow and kind of steady progression towards growth. And we were able to go back, raise a little bit of money, and then we never had to go back for more after that. So. That was a very scary moment. My wife remembers it vividly because I would come home every night and just confide in her that I didn't know if we were going to make it and, you know, scared we weren't going to keep the lights on. So definitely had my fair share of those moments in my career. Yeah. And I guess, again, if to, at the risk of stretching that analogy to breaking point, you're kind of climbing without without a safety line, right, as well. So it's even scarier. What about then the truism? Some of these trite expressions that people use, Joe, about moments like that, they say, you learn more when you fail than when you succeed. They also say, if you're going to fail, you need to fail fast so that you can turn things around. I mean, maybe actually they're not such useless cliches. Do you subscribe to some of those? I mean, it sounds from what you've described with that last experience that that was kind of what you had to do, right? 
Yeah, I mean, 100%. I don't necessarily look at it as a failure in those early moments. I think when you set out to launch a business, you have a business plan and a strategy. I think that's very important, but it's also very important that you're nimble, flexible, you have a high level of awareness, and you're willing to pivot and make changes in response to what the market is actually telling you. Very rarely does the plan that you have actually work and come to fruition without a number of obstacles and pivots that are required. You know, I think our job as entrepreneurs and CEOs is really to cultivate clarity and awareness because it's just a matter of time before the world's gonna throw something at you and it's your job to have the awareness to respond to it and make the right decision. And so I don't necessarily look at that situation as, as a failure. It was a big moment of make or break, but we, knock on wood, we're just lucky we, we navigated it properly. But I do, reflecting back on my full career, this is my third try at an apparel brand. So, you know, I had some small companies that were out of the garage that never went anywhere. And at the time it felt tragic because I had just lost such a large percentage of my life savings attempting to get businesses off the ground that didn't work. But I took so much from each of those experiences that I was able to bring to Viore. And, and so ultimately it, everything built off of each other. So yeah, I do think that those sentiments and thoughts are, are very much on point. Yeah, well, you mentioned flexibility and listen out. It's the sound of me changing gears <laughs> with my questions because uh, I wanted to ask you about yoga. You obviously you spoke already about this change in approach, but I know that personally and professionally, I guess, yoga is something that's super important. Tell me a little bit about that. Why is Joe a, a yoga guy, I guess, is my first question on this. <laughs> well, it, the, the reason has changed over time, but, you know, it started... I was an athlete and I played football, American football and lacrosse collegiately and beat up my body. And so a friend suggested I try yoga to heal my back. And so that was the reason I started going is I wanted the therapeutic benefit. And I just fell in love with the practice and I kept going and I just felt better. And the better I felt, the better I performed at work. The more time I spent on the mat, the clearer I was because I was actually spending time in quiet and listening to my breath and doing things that are becoming much more popular, whether you're an athlete or you're an executive, these are tools that will serve you in every aspect of your life. And I definitely resonated with those benefits. And as I got into yoga, I started seeing the opportunity for Viore. So in a way, my yoga practice gave me Viore and gave me this career, which I'm so grateful for. And then once establishing the business, and stepping into the role of an entrepreneurial in a, in a fast growth environment, you know, again, going back to clarity and we make decisions for a living. And so a continued practice of yoga, meditation and breath work has served me really well in just pursuing clarity and a higher level of awareness so that I can navigate the challenges that have come and are sure to come in the future. So it's a really important part of my life. Yeah. And I, I just wonder, is it, I don't know, is it almost more important than in a sense, because there's almost this sort of philosophical quality to it, there's this meditative, this consideration kind of play when you're practicing yoga deeply, it taps into something pretty, pretty deep. Is that almost more important than the quotidian details of looking after yourself? Do you think it's that important? And maybe more people need to engage with it instead of just worrying about, I don't know, a diet fad or drinking this thing or not doing this thing? I, I don't know. How, is it still got more untapped potential for a lot of people, do you think? I believe so. I'm not one to preach what other people should be doing because I think I have a deep respect for where people are at in their lives. And 
for some people, just getting in the gym and getting physical is what they need at this time. For others, maybe it is changing their diet. And for others, it is developing an awareness practice, yoga or meditation. I really believe that like anybody that chooses it is going to find significant benefit. You know, we live in a crazy world. There's a lot of fear that exists. Anxiety and depression levels are through the roof. So whatever your current state, I think developing some form of practice of checking in with yourself, paying attention and developing a relationship with what your body is telling you that you need is a really healthy practice. And so, I mean, I would love to see yoga and meditation continue to rise across the world because I do believe it benefits not only the people, but society as a whole. Yeah. And does it have a corollary benefit? I wonder just in terms of when you have work stress and even in a business that's going great guns, there's going to be moments, you know, there's ups and downs and challenges and it can be pretty intense. You mentioned your family life as well. Is yoga one of the tools that helps you as the successful boss of a business to change gears to make sure that you can get the work-life balance right? Presumably that's one of the key tools that you must use to help keep that balance between your sort of personal and professional life. 100%. Without question, it is mission critical for me. If I wake up and first thing I do is check my phone and just dive right into technology and emails, it changes the tone of my whole day. If I can be disciplined enough to wake up, do a little yoga, movement, some breath work, a little meditation, it only takes 15, 20 minutes. But if I can do that and then go approach, you know, wake up my kids and approach the day and dive into my phone, it changes my whole constitution, my mental state. And I do believe I'm just in better service to my team. I'm in better service to this business. So 100% it's important, but it's not the only thing in the toolkit. I also, for me personally, I have to be physical. So I have to get out there, move my body, sweat, get inspired, go surfing, go ride my bike, do fun things. So it's just a part of kind of an overall lifestyle that's important. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you about that. You're obviously in a pretty good spot in California, of course, where you're always based to do a lot of those things. But you're a West Coast guy. And I know you grew up in, again, it's a bit of a cliche, rainy Seattle. It's a bit like saying rainy London, right? But is, is Viore, do you think, a business that could only have come from California, if you know what I mean? Or do you think that actually, again, that's a cliche and you can have a sunshine demeanor and you can have a sunny business that can work from anywhere? I grew up like a, a puppy dog sitting in the window looking out at rain. And I was such an active person. I just always wanted to be outside. And so that tortured me a little bit. So I would see like these shows about Southern California and the beach and it's sunny in the winter. And that was very aspirational for me. And so when it was time for me to choose my university, I knew that I was going to California. And I think that has always stuck with me a little bit as I've learned to become a surfer and to have a deep appreciation for the beach and beach culture. That has always been there. And so I was very observant that a lot of surfers and people in Southern California would wear board shorts, which is essentially like swim trunks designed for surfing. And they would wear those to the gym because they didn't identify as a jock or somebody who just works out all the time. They identified as a surfer. And so they didn't really have an active wear brand that was for them. And so largely Viore was very much like the original seed that was planted was to build product that was more authentic and relevant for people here in our community in Encinitas, California. And we're just so grateful that like what 
started as an intention to service this community really has shown that there's a much broader appeal and people in New York and Chicago. And hopefully as we enter international markets, we'll see the same resonance, but we're finding that people are really connecting with what we're doing that live all over the world. Yeah. And I just want to ask you about that, actually, because I, I find it funny you talk about surfers or jocks and bros and dudes and all this. And it's really interesting, especially in fitness, around gyms, in sports. There are these funny communities. Some of them, I think, are pretty coherent. Others are kind of just seem to me like something from a John, John Hughes movie. But is that actually something that's quite tricky to navigate? Because presumably people say to you, well, who's this for? Is it for this guy? Is it for this girl who's part of this thing? Do you have to... I don't know, seek to explode a few myths and actually blur a few boundaries and say, look, it's not all a Venn diagram with these people at the middle and all these people around the edge. It's just a big mass. And we're all actually bound together by our enthusiasm for working out or being outdoors or hitting the ocean. How does that, how does that narrative work for you? We want to let as many people of different walks of life under the tent as possible. Viore is about accessibility. We're not trying to be exclusive. So we don't care what your preferences are. Like we just want to make incredible product. And yes, it has a certain point of view from an aesthetic standpoint. And so some people resonate with that aesthetic and others choose not to. But as far as like who we're trying to speak to, we want to speak to everybody. We believe that our focus on effortless versatility, casual DNA, great fit comfort with incredible quality materials speaks to everybody in some way. And so when I grew up, you know, I noticed because I played football and and at the time it was kind of like if you were a snowboarder or a skateboarder, you would look at the football players as the jocks and like we were the enemy. And I just always was the type of person that I love to skateboard. I love to be in the mountains and ski and snowboard in the winter, but I also played football. And I always thought that putting people in those boxes was just silly. And I think one of the things I love about the internet, social media, I feel like it's democratized activity. Like, especially here in Southern California, everybody wants to do everything. You want to wake up and go for a run. Then, you know, you want to go to work, then hit a yoga class at, at noon. And then in the evening, you know, go ride your mountain bike or go play in a, in a softball league or a volleyball league. People just are active. They just want to be active. It's about staying healthy, keeping your body moving and having fun. It's not so much about putting yourself in a box. I am a this or I am a that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally, it totally makes sense. And it, I think it's instructive that that was your experience, you know, when you were a student, because you can kind of see how that frustration or kind of curiosity at why people were so quick to jump to those judgments now has shaped the way that the brand has been growing, which I think is really, really interesting. And actually on that point about brand growth, what does that look like, Joe? I, you've described the sort of the origin story, some of the challenges you've already had to overcome. At what point are you able as an entrepreneur to start looking at least as much uh, to the future as at, as at the past. And, and what does that journey look like over, I don't know, what, what are your preferred time horizons? Is it a five-year and a 10-year story? Are you a bit more vague, do you say, medium and longer term? How do you go about looking to the future? Viore has a very long-term mindset. And it's funny because we just went through our three-year strategic planning process. And as part of that, the first step in that exercise was to identify our ideal end state. And it doesn't mean like five, 10 years out. It just means what is your end state? Is it that this business will last into perpetuity? Is it that you will sell the business? And what was really true for myself and our leadership team was that we wanted to build a brand that our kids would be proud to work at one day. And so I, I would say we have a very long-term mindset. 
we have been growing very fast, but that mindset of like building something that your kids would want to work at, right? That has that type of longevity really helps to shape the decisions you make today to be just more long-term minded, making decisions that will build the brand over time, not necessarily chase short-term revenue, if that makes sense. No, I think it does. And I wondered, where do you look then for best practice? I mean, in your space, do you say, you know, are there brands that can deliver that longevity, but that can also deliver this sort of the pride for their successors sort of thing? Is it looking at something like maybe a Patagonia, a brand that seems to be able to keep the founding values at the core of what they're doing over a longer term? And indeed, once they get to a really kind of astonishing scale, still, you still identifiably retains those core characteristics. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, trends do come and go, you know, active wear and living an active, healthy lifestyle is very popular right now, globally. And so we recognize that that we're benefiting from a tailwind. It's possible that one day athleisure clothing, athletic clothing starts to downtrend. What's important to us is that we adhere to a value set. And so you pointed to a great example. Patagonia has been a brand that it wasn't that long ago that Patagonia went through a phase where they weren't that cool. And then, you know, as this like heritage revival movement happened, they became very relevant again and they're having a really, really great run. But they've always stayed true to what they care about and their values. And I hope that Viore can can follow that lead and that can be true for us when we look back 20 years from now as well. Okay, well, here's to just sort of play game that out even a bit more then. Where, where would we find you, do you think, Joe? What's your best guess? If it was, I don't know, 2032, what was that 10 years from now? Will you be, I mean, I'm going to take a, a guess and say maybe on the beach or surfing or on your bike up in the hills. But like when you look to the future for the business, where do you imagine yourself in that? Are you still doing all of the day-to-day, the quotidian detail? Would you like to step back from some of that? How, how do you see your personal story, if you like, meshed in together with the, with the Viore story? You know, one of the things that I've realized about myself, which is really funny because I grew up as an athlete, you know, a jock, quote unquote, because really, I mean, when I say jock, I mean, like all I cared about was sports growing up. I was just a very active person. I was not a great scholar, didn't love being in school, and I never took an art class but I've always been so inspired by designers, both architecture, clothing, like brand and creatives. Like I just, I love watching people create things. And I never necessarily knew that that was within me, but I've really grown fond of building product and innovating and bringing unique textiles to market. And I have a really strong point of view on what textiles work, what textiles I want to wear on my body and what I don't. And so I feel so fortunate to have found a career where my passions and interests really align with what I get to do every day. And as a CEO, I have a lot of accountability and responsibility beyond product, but product is where my heart is. I spend a lot of time with the product team, thinking about the product pipeline, where we're going, what we can make, and what is gonna add value to our customers' lives. And I would love to do that for the rest of my life because it fills me with so much joy and inspiration. And so in 30 years, will I likely be the CEO at the helm of Viore? I mean, I'll be in my 70s. Chances are I probably won't, but I'm having so much fun right now continuing to lead the team and grow this business that it's hard to envision myself doing anything else. But I would always love to stay connected to product and building products. And then hopefully get a little more time to surf and do those things you mentioned as well. 
Well, exactly. I think that's pretty important to make time for those, however busy you are. Just on this point about the way things can travel, we were talking, I think, before we started the recording about people haven't been travelling as much. Luckily, that strange era seems to be drawing to a close. But how well does Viore as a brand travel, Joe? You know, I, I know that there's certain markets, obviously, where some of the stories around sustainability, around more circular production for apparel, there are naturally markets where that conversation is much more advanced. But that aside, do you find that some of the fundamentals, the ease you've described, the fun, the flexibility and a commitment to quality, is that something that kind of doesn't need translating from market to market? I would hope so. We're going to find out soon. <clears throat> We're launching our business in the UK. We, we just launched our international e-com business in select countries, and it's already off to a really great start. What's funny, one of the things I, I love to share because people are very surprised by this is that being such a Southern California oriented brand, our number one e-commerce market in the US is New York City. We ship more product into Manhattan than we do any other major metro area, including LA or our backyard here in San Diego, which are number two and three. So it does show that our DNA, the aesthetic, the wearability of the product resonates across from West Coast to East Coast. And then when you think about, you know, jumping over the pond and getting into the UK, we're always just so inspired by the UK because you guys have such incredible taste. The style is so effortless. And in a way, I feel like Viore's brand is going to resonate. You know, I was in London walking around on the street and I just recognized like people aren't walking around in active wear the way that they do in the States. So I was like, okay, identify that as, as a challenge or a potential hurdle. But when I looked at the way people dressed, it was understated, but it was polished, it was sophisticated really wearable. And that is very much in alignment with how we build product. So I'm really excited and encouraged to see how the UK responds to Viore. And as we get into markets further away from home, we're just going to have to be paying attention. We've got a startup mentality. So our goal is to be really observant, pay attention to what's working and be able to respond and, and pivot accordingly. And so yeah, it's going to be a fun adventure as we as we bring Viore to to more than just the United States. Joe Kudler, the founder and CEO of Viore, and you can learn more about the brand and about Joe and his work. Head to vioreclothing.com. This program was mixed and edited by Jack Dewars. My thanks to him as always. You can listen again and find out more about the entrepreneurs at monocle.com or follow us and catch up with the archive at your preferred podcast platform. I'm Tom Edwards, though. It's goodbye for now and thanks for listening to The Entrepreneurs. <laughs>